It's the How Games Make Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Grubb from GamesBeat.com. This is the show where I talk to people working in and around games and ask them, how does this business work? Is it all about finding the last cardboard in all of China? New episodes come out when they're ready. On this episode, I talk with Z and Kevin Zhang of Serenity Forge, which is here in Colorado. Uh, I met these fellows back at a Denver Comic Con a few years ago, and now they have found themselves in the business of publishing physical games. Most recently, they distributed Doki Doki Literature Club Plus into Targets and Walmarts around the world, and they have plans for more projects just like that in the future. Before we get into that conversation, thank you so much for joining. Uh, you can get more from me at gamesbeat.com. Email me about the podcast at jeff.grub at gmail.com with the subject line, How Games Make Money, or reach out on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Grubb. The show is at HGMM Show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash game mess. That gets you into the secret channels of my discord, discord.gg slash game mess. Come hang out with us. Come support us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, let's get on with the show. All right, let's do this. Joining me now is Z and Kevin. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Z from Serenity Forge. I'm the executive director here. And I'm Kevin. I'm the business director. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I guess, you know, let, let, let's start and, you know, kind of maybe from the beginning. Uh, what is Serenity Forge doing right now? What are you guys involved with? What's, what had you all excited? And then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Serenity Forge is a video game development and publishing studio that focuses on creating uh, meaningful, very uh, uh, kind of emotionally and narratively engaging uh, stories and uh, just narratives in general. Uh, we are uh, re- recently we launched Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, uh, which was um, you know uh, has done uh, fairly well so far, and we're really excited about it. Uh, we also have some more games coming out soon. Uh, most notably, we have announced uh, Death's Gambit Afterlife uh, that'll be coming out to Nintendo Switch uh, first, uh, as well as uh, recently announced Arcadian Atlas that'll be releasing next year. Excellent. So uh, when he, when it comes to like you know publishing these games, getting these deals put, put together, what is that process like for you? Uh, is it kind of the kind of thing you were able to handle easily during the pandemic, not being face to face with people, or is, are these things that started when you were face to face and you were able to carry them over? How did all that all, all that work? So that's actually a really uh, interesting question. I'd love to share a little bit on that. Um, so one of the one of the interesting things about uh, the pandemic is that uh, it kind of uh, is is helpful for some uh, companies out there who maybe aren't as privileged uh, in in terms of geography or maybe cultures mm. in, in some degree. Uh, so coincidentally, you know, we we are uh, a Colorado based company, which is you know very tech, very. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, very mod- modern, you know, like it's it's not like a, a crazy place. Um, but at the same time, it's actually not very well connected to the coasts. It's not very well connected to the hubs like Seattle or Toronto or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, we don't have that geographical advantage. So throughout the years, we actually kind of always had trouble meeting uh, with other companies or, you know, we have to go to shows like E3 or GDC just to be able to meet anyone face to face. However, with the pandemic, it actually made it so that it was a lot easier easier for us to be connected because everyone is meeting online. So it doesn't really matter where you are. Uh, So in the end, we kind of leveled the playing field a little bit more. So a lot of these deals actually came out of the fact that we didn't have to go do all these travels or try to rub shoulders with people literally at these conventions. Uh, And uh, and yeah, it really worked out for us uh, in the end. 
your most recent release, I believe, was Doki Doki uh, Literature Club Plus. Uh, what was it like to kind of take that from this uh, sort of indie digital uh, darling into something physical? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot that I can say here, and uh, and honestly, <laughs> Kevin, feel free to share more information if you want regarding the the, the kind of the back end of the logistics and all of that. Uh, but really, in addition to to releasing it. Um, it's it's also there. There's a whole whole branding, uh, you know, behind it. You know, mm-hmm. like the original game was uh, kind of this cutesy visual novel that has to do with uh, essentially, you know, like, like uh, subverting expectations. You're you're thinking that you're playing a cute dating sim, uh, but then it's something else entirely. Um, well, you know, releasing this new release, the DLC Plus. Now we have to think about. Well, ev- first of all, everyone knows. The, the 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 jig is up, right? Like everyone kind of already knows right. what it is. So so how do we maintain that subversion, expose it to a new audience, but still introduce something new uh, for the old fans? So it was actually a, a huge combination of uh, just like you know forty mind chests regarding how we can how we can uh, uh, kind of design an experience for literally every group out there uh, that's either you know never played the game and they're buying it on the Switch or have played the game before and replayed it multiple times and now they're getting it uh again um so we ended up you know through the marketing materials as you've seen uh we ended up having to uh be very upfront about the the horror elements of the game Mm -hmm. but still make it so that there's a strong juxtaposition uh, between that and the cutesy graphics because it just makes no sense so that kind of captures people as a as a grabber but then ultimately i'll also inject a lot of new content into the game so ddlc plus it actually introduces a, a line of new characters uh that are not shown on screen but you can definitely discover them as time goes on so a lot of that kind of kind of worked into it with the physical release as well uh, we just wanted to be as inclusive as possible we want our audience to be as diverse as possible i mean there are people out there who are gamers who don't own a steam account or don't have access to internet or or perhaps they're literally not in america and they have to uh, you know they don't have access to download games on the eShop. we want to be able to support all of these gamers around the world which is why we felt like we had to release a physical edition as well well so that people you know these people are able to have the advantage to to be exposed to the game eventually so i mean it it, so it sounds like it was a a a lot of work a lot of thinking went into making sure that you were like presenting this as something uh new a new experience and not just for people who are new to doki doki literature club did that involve like a lot of extra development time a lot of extra writing like or or was it something where uh these were ideas that maybe were sitting around that people finally got to execute on yeah i would say that from uh you know from a core uh, production development perspective uh one of the first challenges that of course we and um you know dan the uh, original developer came across was the fact that um because this is now a commercial multi-platform release, um, we realized that the game, which was originally made in RemPy, uh, had to essentially be ported over to Unity. So that in of itself created a ton of new challenges. Um, but in, di- in addition to that, um, just being able to make sure that we recreated the original game successfully, um, there was the addition of uh, making sure that the new side stories created um, the type of content that you know, not only the players were probably kind of hoping to see more of, but that Dan uh, really wanted to tell as well. Um, And, you know, kind of going back a little bit to something Z said, um, making sure that, making sure that we were very upfront 
with some of the perhaps more kind of controversial content uh, in nature of the game. Um, the fact that we were so upfront about it, I think ultimately also led to our uh, platform partners to realize that this was something that they could help us uh, promote a lot of, you know, without having to worry too much about um, potential controversy, um, which mm. which they ended up doing. Um, you know, if you see uh, kind of especially like what um, our partners at Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo were uh, willing and able to do during the first month of release, um, you know, it got into the PlayStation uh, Editor's Choice, I believe is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, you know, a lot of other kind of uh, front page uh, equivalent features from uh, all the platform holders, which, you know, honestly, is something that we worked really hard towards and we were hoping for. But it's definitely not something that we thought would have been a surefire thing coming from, you know, a game that was originally put out there as basically a free experience and um, originally not intended to be a commercial game. How do those things come about? Like the, uh, you know, ending up in like a, a showcase or getting a, a blog post or something like that. Are these the kinds of things where um, it helps to have good relationships or if you're good at like pitching somebody like they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, come do then do our we have this showcase thing. You can come be in that. Or is it does it come down to like they've played the game and they really like the game? Uh, how does it all work? Yeah, I mean, there's no simple and straightforward answer, unfortunately, but <laughs> sure, ultimately, yeah. I think it's much more of an art than a science. Um, I think it's much more of an art than a science, more so than um, any publisher or developer or even platformers themselves or platform holders uh, themselves um, wish that it was. Um, because you're right, sometimes it just comes down to there being um, evangelists within the platform holder uh, teams themselves who are just personally huge fans of the games um and you know they they try to internally evangelize the game you know within the system that they have to operate within um in order to have um ultimately kind of the storefront teams um promote it and uh you know as with anything else the earlier of a discussion we can have with them the better but you know games being games you know sometimes you know the developers and publishers have to kind of work collaboratively to make sure that we're striking the right balance between putting as much time in development of the core game as possible so that the, the actual product is, is there and is of high quality, but also weighing against the uh, um, publishing and marketing and advertising opportunities that may suddenly be dropped on us like last minute. Um, so it's definitely a, a difficult process in general, but um, at the end of the day, we were really happy that all the platform um, holders really, you know, loved the original uh, Doki Doki Literature Club and was willing to really support us. You all sold physical versions of, of Doki Doki Literature Club for, I think, Switch and, and PlayStation. Um, what what was it like getting that up and running? What and then what like what did you learn? Like, what were some difficult challenges that you guys all, all overcame? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, quite a journey. Uh, So for the past, I would probably argue three years at this point, I've always wanted to try to open up uh, a physical, uh, uh, you know, just publishing in general. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing with physical publishing is that there's a lot of different ways to approach it, right? Like if you if you look at the physical publishers out there, um, you know, you have your collector's edition uh, ones like Fangamer or or Limited Run or or IMA Bit. You have your more bigger, you know, retail focused ones like Deep Silver or Modus. 
uh, you know, a maximum uh, or, you know, really any of the triple A's. Uh, and so, so there's, there's actually a, a pretty diverse range of, of targets to hit, you know, like, do you want to uh, have this game in the consumer's uh, hands? Or, uh, you know, in everyone's hands in every store out there? Or do you want to create a $200, you know, box and, and sell exclusively online? There's right. a lot of different ways to approach it. So so over the years, we have, uh, you know, spoken to a lot of partners and, and worked with a lot of partners. But ultimately, uh, we felt like we we felt like we wanted to do something that no one else really is doing out there. Uh, so that's kind of why we made this huge push. We we're very lucky to be able to bring on board uh, our uh, distribution director, who is actually a, a former executive from uh, Sega Sammy, who, who was in charge of all of the Sega and Atlas uh, uh, distribution in the past, which is why we're able to uh, push into uh, essentially this very strong global retail market. So now we are able to sell games in you know walmart target best buy gamestop uh all of the big ones uh you know around the world so so with that kind of as, as our as our pocket card we we turn into the other side of the coin which is how can we create a very meaningful product that is able to be a very mass distributed to to everyone out there um so with that uh, we looked at the model of you know releasing a standard edition game but making it so that it's a magical experience for anyone that opens that box. When you open up a box, back when I was younger, uh, you know, buying, uh, you know, old N- uh, Nintendo and mm-hmm. you know, GameCube games and all that during during a holiday um, a sale or whatever, uh, you open up the box and you would, you know, read every word on that ma- manual. Or maybe sometimes it comes with a like 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 a sticker sheet or something. You just mm-hmm. absolutely love all that. Um, I wanted to bring that back into a, a mass distribution market. Um, which is why uh, kind of what we did with uh, DDLC Plus. Uh, in the box, uh, we included a bunch, half a dozen uh, different uh, merchandise items, including sticker sheets, exclusive poems written by Monica, the one, one of the main characters in the game. Uh, we uh, designed uh, you know, a floppy disk uh, kind of shaped uh, download code even, uh, as well as um, the really the, the start of the show is a set of standees uh, that are printed on, on chipboard stock. Uh, and, uh, and you can assemble them yourself and you get all of these cute little standees that you can assemble and put on your, onto your desk from the game. And we kept the price low at, at just uh, you know $29.99 for, for the retail edition. Um, so with that, we our hope is that anyone who supports the game and buys the game uh, at you know your local Walmart or, or whatever it may be, uh, they're able to get the game and open it up and just be like, wow, I can't believe that they managed to do all of that into the same box. That's really, that's really cool. And then they will continue to support this game, support the IP, tell their friends about it, and and just you know uh, continue to to be a lifelong fan for for not only DLC plus, but but you know, ideally also the 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 dozen of physical games that we're looking to release to uh, going to next year. And what what's it like sourcing these these various little uh, you know these trinkets and, and even like um the, the cases themselves or like the art right now the the art sheet that you have to put into the case like it was that stuff that was um relatively easy to do or did you have to like learn entirely new skills and 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 find the right vendors and get stuff shipped from across the world and and uh, was it difficult because of the pandemic and shortages or or was it all something that was relatively simple. Um, I can say that it is definitely one of the hardest things I had to do in this career, <laughs> um, especially because of the pandemic. Um, the okay. COVID has really done a huge number on the manufacturing side of things. Uh, even today, we're still having trouble finding workers in the factories. Factories are working at minimal capacity uh, to just, you know, straight up close or, or you know, there, there have been instances where 
uh, we couldn't find any cardboard in the in the country of China, so we had to delay Jeez. certain things, or couldn't find plastic uh, for for the wrapping on the outside that you put on the box. Um, so all of that has been really really difficult. The benefit of the situation is that I'm actually uh, I'm a first generation Chinese uh, immigrant, so I actually f- speak Chinese fluently. So mm-hmm. it's actually fairly easy for me to to deal with Chinese factories and try to find people that are the right fit for what we need. Uh, so that was really helpful. But also on top of that, just having, uh, you know, a very uh, creative team that's able to design things based on the limitations. You know, once we realize that this particular cardboard is not going to be available and we have to pivot to another one, we would instantly, you know, within a couple of hours, uh, churn out a new design uh, to be able to support that new material uh, to kind of make it work. Ultimately, you know, we had to source every single item. I mean, sometimes, you know, the, the cartridge itself and the, and the plastic wrap on the outside and the, the box and the sheet the title sheet that you put on the outside of the box all of those things actually sometimes come from different uh, suppliers as well so we end up having to piece together this global puzzle of trying to figure out like you know who's the best for doing what uh what is the you know best quality for the price uh and what can we actually get done in time so a lot of that stuff uh, you know it, it, it was certainly a journey but but it was worth that then i mean I, there's probably not like a single marketplace you go to or like define like the best manufacturer who's just waiting to be matched up with you it probably does involve like calling people around and and, like having relationships uh well you know what was it like when you did find like a a good manufacturing plan was it just like you know having a conversation in chinese with someone waiting there with like a couple of workers or, or what yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to tell, right? Uh, it's really impossible for you to know um, if someone is good until they start making the thing. Mm. Uh, so we actually did have to go through a few iterations. There are, you know, okay. I'll be honest, we had to throw away a lot of the stuff that we manufactured. And that's just the, the way that this goes. Uh, if you want something that's very high quality, you have to sacrifice, uh, you know, some time or at the very least sacrifice money to, to make it happen. <laughs> uh, so, so a lot of times we have to kind of just make intelligent sacrifices. Like, do we need, do we absolutely need this shade of pink or can we uh can we just uh can we just use what we have right now in hand uh in most cases is probably not and we have to do new ones uh which is kind of uh, usually what we do um so yeah i mean you know with, with that with that said uh, regarding you know finding the right partners a lot of it is you know connections word of mouth uh, you know, mm-hmm. asking around to see, hey, you guys, you know, who, who you know, have done this one thing in the past, uh, have you, uh, you know, ha- ha- like, how did you figure that out? What are some recommended partners uh, for, for that one item? Um, it is also very, uh, very helpful in the, in the fact that uh, I'm a huge uh, physical games collector myself. So it's very easy for me to look at my shelves and be like, oh, yeah, I remember this one game had this one thing in it. And that was the right color that we wanted. Let me pull it out and see uh, who did it. And and uh, hmm. see if I can call up someone to, to get me connected to that person. So a lot of that uh, ended up being uh, kind of like the core of the work. I, I'm looking at the, the the site right now, the Serenity Forge store, and it, it says that all the, the game, the copies are sold out on on your site. But if people want, they can go to like Walmart and Target, Best Buy and GameStop and find that stuff. I, I, like, how does that work? Is it just like, um, is, is it just easier to have the retail partners do it? Or is it more beneficial to make sure that the retail partners can get their hands on copies? And if that means you guys have to go without for now, uh, then so be it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a complicated process. Um, you know, every every retail store out there is, you know, not only are they competing with each other, they're also competing with your own store that's also selling the same thing. So a mm-hmm. lot of times, it's kind of like uh, you know, negotiating out uh, situations on budgeting uh, your 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 units and and right. how many do you want to send to the certain demographics. I mean, ultimately, uh, money is limited on manufacturing, uh, and there's only so many units that we're able to manufacture to start. Uh, so we have to make sure that we can cater towards our partners. Uh, and who are able to, you know, uh, just do a lot more with, with the messaging. Like, for example, right. with GameStop, we had some uh, really big promotions where they were putting the game on the front page. Uh, people were going to the stores nonstop uh, buying the games. Upon seeing a lot of those types of activities, uh, you know, it just makes sense for us to invest more into that relationship and try to push out more uh, units, you know, because they're willing to also do the same. Um so yeah, I mean, uh, the for our store, I think maybe uh, to some degree we have uh, underestimated uh, just you know how how <laughs> a, a small store like ours could actually perform. We actually sold out of all of our budgeted units within, I believe, the first two hours of announcing. And since then, we've just been frankly trying to manufacture more. Uh, I can say that at some point they will come back, uh, and uh, and you know we'll have we'll have free stock again for for all the stores out there, not just ours, but also some of the other ones who who ran out. Um, but uh, but yeah, for for in the meantime, um, you know, it's the bigger stores that generally carry a little bit more. Um, I, I believe that this, this, this podcast is going to go out after this embargo is up. So I think it's okay to ask you about Death's Gambit Afterlife. I, I, I believe now after the success of Doki Doki, you know, Literature Club Plus and, you know, doing rele- releasing that, releasing a physical version of that, you're going to re- do the physical release of Death, Death's Gambit. Is that correct? What's that process been like? Yeah, Dust Gambit uh, is uh, the the pre order will be starting uh, September sixteenth, so it's probably already started <laughs> at this point that I'm talking about. <laughs> That's it. right. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's uh it, it's. Uh, it's 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 you know it's smooth <laughs> yeah the um we we chose to have uh, slightly different uh items inside the box compared to uh ddlc plus i mean for for each of the games that we do we try to design uh merchandise that is more fitting for the ip you know for for death gambit for example uh it is very much a metroidvania i mean i remember as a kid playing literally you know the first metroid and i would you know flip through nintendo power or whatever try to you know try to find the maps and and mark which rooms i've been in and you know, I try to collect all that material. And it just makes sense for a Metroidvania game to to have a map. So we thought about it and we decided to put um, a uh, the full game map uh, as well as on the reverse, uh, there's a compendium of all the characters so that you get more information on them. Uh, and we felt like this is just the best way to, uh, to to play the game because now you have a physical map in front of you to explore the world, especially considering how Dust Gambit uh, has one of the largest uh, Metroidvania worlds out there. So it's just easier for you to keep track of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for that, that's kind of our way of having that as well as a, a sticker sheet that's in there uh, for you to, you know, have stickers of, of your favorite characters uh, and uh, and uh, you know, be, be able to have just really a very comprehensive uh, copy that will be reminiscent of a lot of the the kind of the, the, the Metroidvania experiences that maybe someone uh, would, would want to have or have had when they were younger. Yeah, and it's got to be sort of the kind of thing where um, if you are trying to appeal to someone who maybe wasn't into Doki Doki Literature Club, uh, feeling like they are going to get something unique when they show up for Death's Gambit because that is something they like, uh, that, that it feels like they're still being catered to. It's not like, oh, I'm just getting a carbon copy of the stuff that was in another game. Uh, that, that, that's got to feel nice. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, I guess if you are someone who, does, who wants to collect as many physical games as possible, having something unique is also beneficial there as well. So it kind of it probably it ticks a lot of different boxes. Is that, is that something you're finding? 
scheme. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, in addition to that gambit, um, we also have announced uh, the physical edition for War of the Water Hitchhike Wine, which was also a hundred percent by by us uh, in terms of design and, and uh, product right. sourcing. Um, that, for example, now it's a completely different package as well, uh, where we actually have a, a metal uh, camper's mug. Uh, that has the game on there. Uh, there's a tarot card set. Uh, there's also a cloth poster. Um, you know, just uh, the the every time we release a physical game, uh, we we essentially go back to the drawing board and redesign the entire package based on what we believe is the best fit for the game, uh, the best fit for the fans for the game, and generally, you know, what people want to see uh, and actually would hold value, I suppose, uh, for for each of the items. Um, you know, the last thing that we want is to have just the same exact thing, uh, like you said, carbon copied into every single one of our boxes, um, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, it's it, it's it's at least better than nothing. <laughs> but but certainly, you know, we, we, we have greater ambitions than that. Uh, so, uh, again, for us, uh, for each of our physical releases, we pretty much budget uh the three millimeters that you can find that's inside the box you know that where the manual goes <laughs> that's kind of how thick that's kind of how thick you can put stuff in there before the the box starts uh, not closing and we think about okay in three millimeters what can we put in there uh and that is the most meaningful thing for the fans there's also the distribution side uh, what's it so let's say you get all these uh things you know printed out and you stuff them in the box and now you have uh I don't know. Do they sit in a warehouse? Do they immediately get shipped on a uh, on a truck? I guess what happens next, and how do they end up in Target or Walmart or whatever? Yeah, I mean the the process is it's it's really complicated in practice, but honestly, not super uh, hard to understand. Is it just uh, which is, that once it like it's been figured out for so long now that really you just have to like go to the place where this stuff is done? Yeah, exactly. I mean, after we finish manufacturing it, we have our factory ship uh, the units to the various partners, uh, and then they will redistribute it to their stores. You know, like our our uh, our partner would then you know ship a bunch of units uh, that yeah will be going to Walmart, uh, and then Walmart uh, redistribution center would then ship it to the various stores based on uh, their own kind of logistics and uh, just big data big uh, big data based on you know what. I mean, maybe San Francisco, this store is going to carry this many units. And, and you know, like right. they have their own data uh, based on the game's genre, past performances of similar products and all that stuff. So they kind of we kind of just leave it to them to decide how that goes. Um, but yeah, and, and we also have our own store. So we would ship some to our own warehouse and and resell it there. Uh, you know, then then we would also hold on to some to, you know, maybe have them at conventions down the road or, you know, maybe try to, uh, you know, have a, a more uh, interesting kind of engagement where we can uh, release, uh, you know, like at PAX, do a signed copy or stuff like that. Um, you know, those are also things that we kind of work with. And is it the kind of thing where, um, you know, the costs are relatively understood or do they fluctuate a lot, like based on gas prices or something like that? Uh, or is that stuff kind of um, not transparent? Um, it's it's very not transparent until you're actually slapped with the bill <laughs> a right, lot of okay. times, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially sure. during COVID. Things have been going crazy. Um, mm. You know, earlier this year, shipping, uh, when, when shipping was really bad, you know, you could see uh you know uh it takes like a, a dollar to ship uh, uh just just shipping alone to to go from you know one place to another for for each of each unit for the game um eventually it rose even higher sometimes you could see three four dollars per unit uh just to ship the the unit again from you know a factory to to the stores and imagine if you sell a game that's at you know 20 30 dollars you're very significantly uh cutting cutting to uh your your margins which is which has been pretty tough um 
also with covid a lot of times with shipping you just don't know when things are actually going to happen mm-hmm. uh, you know things get stuck in customs uh and then there's you know random uh you know uh, just uh, logistical problems where companies are not talking to each, each other the right people and then you have to come in here to make sure that they're you know connecting correctly uh, a lot of these small logistical things almost feels like you're doing uh uh, I don't know what's the best way to say. It? It's almost like you're you're just like in a boring office job trying to push papers right. around, right? Just trying to make sure you're sending the right emails and and making calls. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, I I think it's uh you know hopefully this is the kind of stuff that's not going to stay as time goes on. Hopefully, you know, COVID's going to uh go away eventually, and then uh we'll we'll be able to have a normal world again, so that mm-hmm. a lot of this manufacturing stuff uh feels uh, a lot smoother. Yeah, it still feels so far away, but hopefully, hopefully someday. Uh, Z, Kevin, I, I don't have any other questions, but uh, I really want to thank you both for taking the time to talk with me. This was this was really excellent. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you, thank you so much for for taking the time. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Is there is there anything you guys w- w- want to touch on before I let you go? Is there anything else that you feel like we forgot that's like burning you? Say, oh, I should have said that uh, before I let you go. Um, I don't think so. Uh, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, I'm really excited to talk uh, about the the physical process and all the new stuff that's coming uh, coming out for Serenity Forge here. You know, we are really trying to do something a little bit different on, in the physical space where we want to, uh, you know, have be, be as inclusive as possible with our physical releases, really reach out to those demographics that are not very often served in the physical space right now, uh, but then also uh, just create a very meaningful package that someone could really hold on to for, for the rest of their lives with, you know, all of the goodies that they could possibly need for, uh, you know, uh, being a fan of, of a game. Um, so doing that is it has not been easy, uh, but, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to kind of help us spread that message and mm. and hope that uh, you know down the road people are gonna uh, be really happy to to see some of these things when they hold them in their hands yeah i, I think they will be and it's the kind of thing where you know physical games might uh dwindle but it, it, it does feel like people are picking up that torch immediately it's not going to be like uh crt televisions where we wake up one day and they're all they all disappeared so that's that's something nice uh i appreciate that work uh thank you so much for, for joining me thank you everybody for listening i'll be back with a new episode when it's ready until then have a good one take care of yourself and goodbye Thank you.